You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hey, you guys remember like 24 hours ago when everybody was freaking out about the hurricanes being toast? (laughs) Well, folks, sit down for this one. I believe Carolina Hurricanes fans may have overreacted. (laughs) What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of the Track and the Storm podcast. My name is Brandon. I am joined by my boys, Matt and Alex O'Hari. It is the first day of free agency. We are going to talk about a lot today. As a matter of fact, we probably have enough stuff that we're going to pack into this episode for two episodes, to be totally honest with you, being that we haven't met since the draft. We have a very exciting draft class that we definitely want to talk a little bit about. And of course, today was the first day of free agency, and the Hurricanes have made some major splashes. So we are going to start with, well, the most relevant stuff. <laughs> this is Matt's phrasing right there. Um, and that is today's festivities and the opening day of the NHL's free agent period. It was a wild one, man. I mean, I mean, there were some real shockers, including the most recent one where Johnny Gaudreau, for some reason, is going to Columbus. Like, I don't think anybody saw that coming. <laughs> and the, the whole idea was like, oh, he's not going back to Calgary. I don't even think he saw that coming. Yeah, probably not. It seemed like he was wanted to go home. So everybody's like, okay. It caught him by surprise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, next thing you know, now he's going to play with Patrick Laine and the Columbus Blue Jackets. So interesting. Yeah. Don't know what's really going on there, but I don't really care either because they're still kind of irrelevant. But closer to home here in Carolina, Obviously, we had the draft day trade of Tony D'Angelo that created yet another hole for the Hurricanes to try to fill this offseason. And I think they did so. I'm really excited about this first move they made. Um, Brent Burns is 37 years old. He is not the player he once was. But as I tweeted today, this is a guy that, I mean, if you're just looking at points, he had more than Tony D'Angelo last year. And he did it on the team that scored the third fewest goals in the NHL. This is this guy that can still play. He's definitely still got a big shot and can contribute offensively. And I think he's better defensively than D'Angelo, too. That's not his strong suit. But playing alongside Slavin, I wouldn't be surprised at all if we see this guy have a really good year next year. So, thoughts on the first trade of the day, which was uh, Brent Burns. And, I mean, what kind of impact do you guys think this is going to have bringing him in and letting Tony D'Angelo go to Philadelphia? Man, like, man, I'm not going to lie. When I first saw the Brent Burns rumor, I think it came up yesterday. Uh, he was lumped in with Jeff Petrie and whatever, and they were saying the Hurricanes were discussing both. And I, my first reaction was like, kind of what the hell are we doing? You know what I mean? Because, I mean, both guys are nearing their, their late 30s now. I mean, both guys on the twilight of their career on 
you know, what their respective teams and fan bases consider to be bad contracts. So it's kind of like, you know, what, what really is the line of thinking there when, you know, you just moved the, obviously Tony D'Angelo had his issues and whatnot, but he's kind of right in his prime. And now you're talking about bringing in a 37 year old guy. So it's just kind of like, you, you know, what is the direction here? But well, you know, the, the more where, like little stuff like D'Angelo like, throwing a stick and stuff like I, I just couldn't help but wonder like how Rod really felt about that. And and I, he never say anything, but I just felt like, yeah, he may not have always meshed. Yeah. And, you know, that kind of went into because over the past 24 hours and especially since the trade is made and I've been thinking of it from it kind of from a more logical sense, you know, I, I, I the trade has really grown on me. You know, I think. Because Brent Burns, he's 37, right? We know this guy is, he's, he's getting close to the end. So this, this is a guy who's going to come in here, be very motivated to win. He's going from a culture in San Jose where, you know, they've been on the decline for years. You know, he, if he stayed there, he was not winning a cup in his career. So this, this could kind of be like a, a revival for Brent Burns where, you know, he's coming into a situation now where the Hurricanes probably expect to be cup contenders yet again. And he's going to come in here. He brings a wealth of experience. He's going to slot right in on the top pair. He's going to run the top power play unit. Um, you know, and he, he made the decision to waive his no trade clause to come here because the hurricanes weren't on his original uh, list. Right. So obviously he was excited enough to come here. And I think, you know, this, this could really be a big opportunity for Brent Burns because like I said, now he's got a chance where he could genuinely win a cup, which he didn't obviously have in San Jose. So, you know, everyone says Burns outproduced Tony D'Angelo. I mean, he had three more points in 18 more games or something. So, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, for, for the for points per game pace. Much worse team. Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah, but, you know, my thing is this. I think Brent Burns is a lot more fit to handle the, the tougher competition, the tougher matchups, the harder minutes, where it's not just going to be Slavin basically one-on-two defending with Tony D'Angelo beside him. You know, I think Brent Burns yeah. is a lot more capable both physically and with his hockey sense where, so, you know, I think if you, if you get him in there for 20, maybe 22 minutes in the sweet spot, this is a guy who can probably give you some really, really good hockey. So here's the thing. Um, and I liked what you said, Alex, about a wealth of experience. Like Burns is 37. Yeah. Everybody is bringing up how old he is, but like, this is a veteran player that's been around the league. And like he played forward at one point in time, didn't he? Like yeah. this guy's really done it all. He yeah. he has quite literally done it all. <laughs> and sure, he's he's not the player that he used to be, but he I mean, hell, he put up, I think it was 54 points last year on one of the lowest scoring teams in hockey as a defenseman. And he's gonna come in and run the first power play on a actually good NHL team that now, and we'll get to this in a bit, has added a legitimate sniper. Yeah. <clears throat> so this is, given considering what the Hurricanes gave up for this and the fact that they were able to get him on a discounted rate, it's a great deal for the Hurricanes. I don't know how well it's going to age. That's my like only, you know, concern. But the thing is the hurricanes, you know, if they really need to move him out, they can do that. They can afford to do that at some point. If it's proven that Burns is done, you know, well, I think it's a great move. Gave up Steven Lawrence and 
he's not going away. I'm still going to be like annoying him to try and get him on this podcast. Oh yeah. 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 He's um, still our fourth. He's still our fourth host. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Brandon's tweet today is misleading. Cause he's, he's not going anywhere. We're still going to pester him, but um, you also give up Itumaki Niemi. Pyotr Kochekov just straight up won the net from him this year. You're not going to roll with two prospects in net. The Canes are going to want a veteran goalie. They're going to find one in the next few days because um, Alex Lyon just signed in Florida. And they give up a third-round pick, which they already acquired one of in the Tony D'Angelo trade. So Lower one of the two. Yeah, so honestly, like, it does not do anything but help this team, in my opinion. Right, and, and two things you just brought up there real quick. Uh, one's the 33% return. Obviously, that's important because that's almost $3 million that San Jose is going to eat. But another angle to this, and, and, you know, talking about it aging poorly, what did Don Waddell say in his presser today talking about Scott Morrow? Scott Morrow came up in that presser, and he was talking about, like, look, this kid's not far off. We respected his wishes to return to school for one more year, but we think after that he's coming pro. So Brent Burns, you could definitely do worse than having this guy in your locker room for a year or two when you bring up a guy and, you know, maybe Morrow does go to the AHL for a year or two, but they're still going to have some interaction at some point, I'm sure. And that's a really good guy for him to lean on and kind of show him the ropes coming into the NHL. You know, a guy with Scott Morrow's talent, you want him to hopefully be at, at least a top four, if not top pairing offensive defenseman one day. And Brent Burns in this generation how many guys have been better at that than him? So I think that's actually something that down the road could pay big dividends for the Hurricanes as well. Oh, and also something I forgot to mention. Burns didn't really shoot a lot this past year. <laughs> and the way Carolina runs, he has, I, I, I mean, I don't think his light could be any more green. <laughs> I think he's um, yeah, some fucks this year. And my dude can let it rip. Absolutely. So... Yes, I know I've complained in the past about the Hurricanes taking too many shots from the point. But it's different when... It's different when you have a good shooter. Yeah, it's different than when you have have a guy like Brent Burns shooting the puck from the point than like a Tony D'Angelo. Yeah. Or I'd even argue that Justin Falk is a much worse shooter than Brent Burns. So... Falk's closer. (laughs) Falk and Hamilton are closer, which is why I didn't really bring them up. But like, man, this is this is a great move. Burns can still play, in my opinion. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> before we get into trade number two of the day, I, I guess we should kind of go in chronological order here and talk about the newest former future Carolina Hurricane. Oh, jeez. Uh, you, probably, you probably didn't hear that segment we had last week uh, in your honor, although you weren't on the podcast. We did a former future Hurricanes segment where we talked about some of our favorite Hurricanes that almost were. (laughs) Um, And today we get to add our new name to that list. And that is (laughs) now Dallas Star and former Florida Panther and Toronto Maple Leaf, Mason Marchment. Now, we saw all kinds of rumors leaking that (laughs) Hurricanes basically had a deal in place with Mason Marchment. If you guys haven't been paying attention today anyway. And next thing you know, it seemed like there was about a one minute period between, oh, wait, the Marchment deal is not quite done yet. And, oh, Mason went to Dallas. It's kind of crazy. It was, it, it, it was later he whack. Was yeah, yeah, it was it was wild. Um, 
I mean, I guess there's no point in reading. Oh, hey, uh, Alex, your boy Hayden Fleury just signed with the Lightning. Let's what? go. Let's two go. Years, two years for like barely league minimum. <laughs> Who cares as long as he plays, man? Oh, God, I got to cheer for the Lightning now. Oh, geez. No, you don't. You really don't. But Oh, geez. Anyway, back to Marchman. I, I really, like I said, I don't want to linger here too long because ultimately now it doesn't really matter. But it would have been really fun to have him in town. I, I just will say that because the dude, I mean, he kind of plays exactly the way you want a Carolina hurricane to play as a big power forward elite defensively for a winger. And I, I can kind of understand the consternation because I had a lot of it myself to be totally honest. Matt can tell you that. Um, I, I did see it in one D <laughs> I told, I told Brandon to go outside at one point. That's <laughs> uh, a true story. Marchman. It's a bummer that he didn't sign with us. I thought he was a, great fit um obviously in hindsight now it looks a little silly to be uh that upset about it agreed (laughs) but you know I do think getting him at four years 4.5 is pretty good I just think realistically you're not going to be getting the same production from him that you were when he was in Florida I think he was going to be a really effective player no matter what, but he was at like a 70-point pace, and I'm not sure that's something you can really expect from him, especially going to Dallas. He's going to have like 40 again next year. <laughs> I'm with you guys, man. I thought uh, I thought Marchman would have been, you know, a pretty great fit, but um, maybe uh, Yanni Hawkenpah over in Dallas there decided to twist his arm a bit before he signed on the <laughs> dotted line. <laughs> uh, probably so. Okay, well – and lastly, I guess we'll move on now to what was undoubtedly the biggest move of the day in the Hurricanes taking advantage of the Vegas Golden Knights being in utter cap hell and again making Brandon look stupid for getting mad about Mason Marshman and trading the prized prospect of future considerations, baby. We are going to miss him dearly, but in return- almost as bad of a locker room cancer as Eric Halla at this point. <laughs> obviously because that guy cannot stick around anywhere for long uh he's got to have played for all 32 teams at this point 30 32 is it 32 yes it is now 32 yeah but i think he's too valuable for ron francis okay anyway (laughs) the hurricanes got max patch from the vegas golden knights as well as a young 24 year old right-handed defenseman by the name of dylan coglin um who well we'll talk about him in a minute but Pacioretty was the big piece in the deal, obviously. This guy, he's missed some time the last couple of years. He's going to be 34 in November. There are some reasons for hesitancy, to be sure. But at the same time, this is a guy that immediately becomes the best goal scorer on the team. Um, He scored at a 35-goal pace last year, although he did it in, I think it was 39 games. Um, But, I mean, this is an elite sniper, an impact forward. This is what we've been clamoring for. And they were able to take advantage of a team in a bad cap situation. Like I said, to get it really impressive work by Don Waddell. And I'm really excited to see what he brings to the table. Yeah, And, you know, beyond what you just said, this guy might be the answer to the net front presence that we've been so desperately waiting for on the, on the first power play unit, because he does a lot of his damage from in close. You park him in front. He's got a big body. He's strong. He's got good hands and tight. Yeah. I mean, th- this guy, he, he is basically, you know, from, from for a target to come out of absolutely nowhere like he did, because, you know, when when we were talking about potential options for the Hurricanes, I don't think I'd ever heard his name brought up once. You know, this kind of came out of like left field here. Um, 
And I, I, I would almost argue that he's basically as good of an option as any. I mean, this guy scores at a 40-goal pace almost consistently. Maybe not 40, but 30, 35. He scored at a 40-goal pace the last two years. You know, you get you bring him in for literally absolutely nothing. It's like signing a free agent off the street. Um, I, I just think this guy anywhere in your top six, he's going to be on your top power play unit. Um, he brings exactly what you've been looking for to a T. And, you know, playing with Sebastian Ajo, I, I think if this guy can stay healthy, he, he probably can and will score 40 goals this year. Yeah. Um, my God, man, this is such a good team. This is such a good trade. I mean, you get them for nothing. And as we're talking about this, the team does actually make it official. So it is like official, official now. Oh, we're not going to get Mason Marchment <laughs> on this one. Um, <laughs> Dylan Coughlin's a great piece. I think more than likely he is a probably third pairing defenseman. Um, it's so weird, though, that they trade Pacioretty to get Riley Smith for three more years. And Pacioretty, in my opinion, gives the Canes probably their best chances at winning a Stanley Cup ever. And Alex, you said that he's a great net front player, but I almost like want him in the sniper's role because you can put Svetch in that net front role, too. Or you That's can fair. alternate it. It is. I'm cool with that. He gives the Hurricanes so much more versatility. He's, again, another veteran voice in this room. Somebody, excuse me, that's been there, done that. He hasn't won a Stanley Cup, but... He's a former captain, too. Like, wasn't he captain of the Canadians? Former captain um, for three seasons, has played in a bunch of playoff games. In his career, he has played in 74 NHL games in the playoffs. 850 NHL games during the regular season. He is an elite, elite player. And this is something that the Canes have not had. They're hoping, obviously, that Svech can get to this point, but this is somebody that's at that point now, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's definitely just an exciting day for Hurricanes fans because it, it does prove, once again, like this is something I've talked about a lot. It's, you know, <laughs> we make our jokes about this team being like unserious about winning a Stanley Cup, but it's like they keep, you know, recognizing areas of concern within the team and they go out and they make sure, you know, they they did this last year with the goalies, right? The goaltending wasn't good enough. They totally remade that goalie position. We had a a Vezina level goaltender and won the Jennings trophy for the fewest goals allowed in the league. Now this year, obviously the goal has got us kind of knocked out of the playoffs, the scoring and the power play, especially. And now you bring in Brent Burns and Max Pacioretty, that's going to have a huge impact as well as, you know, even a guy like Andre Kasha, who we haven't even gotten to yet. Um, so I, I think it's a really exciting day. I think who knows where we're going to go from here. Cause we still have things up in the air, like Martin Natchez. So they're in a really good shape already though. And they've still got some stuff to play with where they could potentially even make the team better. Yeah. They, especially if they decide to move Jake Gardner out at this point, you could free up 4 million if you can dump his entire salary. And that's, you know, that's valuable cap skate cop space that can go somewhere else and now you've brought in um coughlin i think his name is i think it's yeah coughlin. dylan coughlin coughlin i know he's a right shot guy but he's six foot two 210 pounds he played like 60 games with the knights last year he's only 24 i mean he's a guy that i haven't personally watched so i can't really give much of an of an input on him but i mean he's a guy with nhl experience he's a big body um and he signed for this year i think at league minimum so you know yeah. he's another option that you can have on your blue line fill up a spot um and a very cheap option who can play 
In my right. opinion, this is where um, I think Ethan Bear is on his way out. I think yeah. the Hurricanes are uh, just looking for a way to move him. That, that was my first thought, too. you're acquiring a legitimate, like, he's, he is the, like, prototypical third-pairing defenseman. Dylan Coughlin, not uh, Ethan Bear. Yeah. Bear doesn't really fit that role, and I think stylistically it's an upgrade. Maybe not, like, upside-wise, you know? Who knows? I mean, Coughlin's 24. Yeah, And then I think as well, you know, you've got Jalen Chatfield now who's probably, you know, sixth, seventh defenseman. This is a hell of a decor that the Canes have. Yeah, and you got Joey Keene on that right side too, right? So you bring in Burns, you still have Pesci. Now you've got Coughlin, Chatfield, and Keene on that right side. I just, I'm not sure really where Bear fits in, especially with the qualifying offer. You're going to be paying a minimum $2 million. Um, So yeah, I, I agree. The first thing that I thought when... I really looked into Coughlin's specifics was, yeah, I think this kind of marks the end of Bears' tenure. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think this was a sneaky good pickup, though, just because of, like Matt said, this this is a little bit of an upgrade on that third-pairing, third-D role because this is a guy that, I mean, you look, he's 24 years old. This might be a little bit of an upside play because, as we've always said, defensemen do take longer to develop, and this guy scored at a pretty big-time rate back in junior in the Western Hockey League. And people talk about his shot a lot. I, I I haven't watched him play a ton either, to be honest. I've watched him play a little tiny bit. And he seemed like a really solid, serviceable guy. Big body, can skate a little bit, a big shot, and at least responsible enough to conclude that he's not going to hurt you if you run him out there for 15 minutes or so a night. So that improvement really helps. I I will be interested to see kind of him and uh, Chatfield battle it out in camp a little bit to see who's going to kind of be that sixth and seventh role. But it gives the hurricane some really good options and, and keen to, like you said. So yeah, decor shaping out to be really nice. <laughs> yeah. And it's again, Patrick, the biggest question is injuries. Is he going to stay healthy? You are quite literally acquiring this player for free. Um, like if he stays has, healthy, it's a grand slam. Yeah. This has cost the hurricanes. Nothing. Even if Dylan Coughlin's the only player that has played for the hurricanes, like, throughout the whole season, even if Patrick gets hurt a little bit, you are still getting these two players for free. <laughs> like, I well, cannot state that enough. That They this did is give up future considerations, free. you know? Like I said, Which though, usually amounts to literally $1. He's a bigger locker room cancer than Eric Halla, this future considerations guy. All right. Well, last player of the day, and then before we you know, move on from the free agency. I do think we do want to talk about, you know, really where they stand and where they're going to go. But do we not want to talk about Claude Giroux? No. Ottawa's irrelevant. Damn. Ottawa's going to be nasty next I've year. had a great day today. I have had a fucking great day today. <laughs> I'm, An I'm amazing sure day. Like, all-time great day today, you know? All-time great week. I cannot wait until the Ottawa Senators have a mid-off during, like, the second half of the season and don't make the playoffs. <laughs> Jeez. All right. Before Alex gets mad and before we run out, um, <laughs> we are going to talk about the last pick or the, excuse me, the last transaction of the day. Um, and, and it was something that kind of snuck in right after the Pacioretty deal broke. So it's like, by the way, we're signing this guy. <laughs> by the way, we also got Kasha. Um, but yes, a, a legendary former future Carolina hurricane. That's right. Yeah, that that's right. Official Carolina. Come full circle. <laughs> it really has. Jeez. Um, but yeah, a former Anaheim Ducks, Toronto Maple Leafs, and Boston, Boston Bruins, I believe. 
uh, winger, Andre Kasha. Now, this is a guy that, again, has had some injury concerns in his career, but was once very, very highly sought after and looked at as a future, you know, big-time scorer in this league. And, again, I, I think this is a really sneaky good pickup. I, to be honest with you, I texted my stepbrother, um, who is a big Maple Leafs fan. He's from Toronto, and asked him, I was like, so how did he look for you guys last year? And he was like, oh, I forgot he was on the team. But don't let that yeah. make you nervous. He's a casual. He did have 14 goals and 27 points in just 50 games played last year. This is a guy that can still put the puck in the net. He has legitimate skill. And, again, I think this is just a little depth upgrade that is going to make the Hurricanes' bottom six better because he's going to play somewhere in that bottom six, I'm sure. And he's going to bring, again, like I said, skill and finishing that they didn't really have throughout that bottom six in full last year. And, again, this is something I do want to talk about in a minute and just kind of really take inventory on where the Hurricanes' lineup is as of today. July 13th. Who knows how much is going to change before opening night, but as of right now. But this is a guy, I, I think he's going to play a big role and just really make the Hurricanes a much deeper, better team next year. Yeah, yeah I, I'm mean, with you. It's a free it's a free bet. Um, And he, he just, you know, has had some injury issues, but I think last year, I think he was pretty healthy, I want to say. Uh, 50 games. But I don't know if he was healthy at any point, too. No, uh, that's I, true. I think he was hurt, to be honest. So injuries are still a, a concern, um, but this is a guy that you can play on your third line and have him be a pretty decent player. I think. I don't think Kasha has ever been fantastic, and honestly, like when when he was rumored to be the centerpiece in the Falk trade, you know, back in the summer of 2017-18, it was no, it was 2019. Um, because Falk, Falk played in those playoffs that year. That's right. Yeah. Um, we were kind of like, this is a guy who hasn't even scored 40 points yet. You know, what's the deal? Obviously, in hindsight, you know, like kind of would have taken Kasha over <laughs> Bach and <laughs> Edmondson. But it is what it is. You're getting this player now. He can at least produce and, you know, provide a little bit of offense, a little bit of defense you know, in your bottom six, it's, it's, it's a good bet, especially at like, I think they got him for like 1.5 million. That's nothing, you know? Well, see, this is what I was talking about. And like the hurricanes always seem to go for these little upside plays and hope they work out. And I always was or like all summer. I've said they can't do that this year and expect that to be like their big move. Well, Pacioretty is now their big move. And now they're, supplementing it, they're supplementing it with those little upside plays that if they hit suddenly you're really, really in business. Yeah. This yeah, is a hurricane even, team that could win the Stanley Cup next year. Yeah, and you can even put Nason into that category, assuming that he's on the roster. But you know, it's it's it's. What are you laughing at, Matt? He's he's what twenty nine. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about for a fourth line role. You know for a I mean? fourth line <laughs> role, sure. But like, yeah. I I'm just gonna I'm just gonna be like managing people's expectations yeah no no absolutely like this is not going into the top like six. A 20 point guy next year yeah straight up he makes it to the league but you know kasha is he's an upside play that i really like you know he's got great wheels he's got good sense i think he's a good fit in this system and he's another body that you can rely on on the penalty kill because you know you take trocheck out of the lineup you're losing one of your big kill guys um and kasha had really good uh, metrics on the kill last year so it's another guy who can do a variety of things for you. He's got some good skill. I'm not sure we'll see him on the power play or anything, but if he can stay healthy, I mean, at a $1.5 million deal, um, it's it's basically a no-brainer. 
So how do you guys feel about the Hurricanes decision today to not replace Vincent Trocek and instead go with the guys they have in Jesperi Kokaniemi and more than likely Jack Drury? Uh, I mean, I think the writing was on the wall for that when they gave Kotkaniemi that eight-year extension, no? And it, it kind of felt like Trocek kind of knew the writing was on the wall because his, his play kind of tapered off as the season went along, especially like in the playoffs and the Rangers. I'm almost surprised the Rangers gave him that contract after watching how he played against them in the playoffs. Honestly, he looked like he had one foot out the door. He might've known he was going to the Rangers. So he was like, you know, I don't want to get on these guys bad side or something. Like, honestly, I, I, uh, I I was, I was a little stunned by that, but uh, no, you know, I think, listen, we, we kind of knew Kotkaniemi was going to be groomed into this role and, it's nice to see the team going out because now they're making sure that they're going to have, you know, ample pieces playing beside him on, on either wing. He'll be playing with, you know, either Sveshnikov or Pacioretty, Jarvis, Teravine. I mean, you got all kinds of options that you can play him with and put him in a good chance for success. And, you know, it's going to kind of be on him to, to live up to the hopes that the Hurricanes have for him. Because let's be honest right now, he is not a $4.8 million player, um, but they paid him expecting that he's going to grow into that. Um, so, you know, this was kind of a move that I expected. I would not have given Vincent Trocek a seven-year term, regardless of, you know, I'm a fan of his game, but I think seven years for him is pretty asinine. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess Kotkaniemi is the way forward, but I would also potentially keep tabs on Natchez making the switch over to center. Yeah, they're, they're putting a lot of eggs in the Kokanami basket in a lot of ways next year. But like Alex said, they've really made sure to set him up to succeed because he is currently penciled into that 2C role. I think everybody sees that you're obviously not going to put Jack Drury in that role and his, you know, introduction, his real introduction to NHL hockey being, you know, two games last year aside. But speaking of those games that Drury played at that point in time, that's the Kokanami the Hurricanes need. Because that was when we really saw the flashes of what Kokaniemi could be was when so many guys were out and he was getting a more featured role. And yeah, I, I definitely think, it, well, we saw it right there. That upside is there. Like, he's got the skill. He was drafted third overall for a reason. We've seen him do it in a Hurricanes sweater. And now he's going to be playing with some of the best linemates of his career, if not the best linemates of his career, considering who the Hurricanes have put around him. We were talking a little bit about this before we started the actual podcast. And like kind of looking at where the Hurricanes are and how they move forward. And, and I just I, I like this configuration of the lineup a lot better now because that scoring is, is even more spread out than it was last year, probably. And you have a better left right balance. That is one thing I wanted to add in here, too, because you add Andre Kasha. Um, and now you, you, last year, it just felt like a very lefty heavy team. So even on that power play unit, you had some issues where you had a bunch of lefties. Maybe Kasha does get some power play time just because he's a right-handed shot that you can put on the left flank and have him shoot one-timers. He does have a good shot. Um, and there's just more fluidity throughout the lineup and more opportunities like Alex was or, uh, or more options like Alex was saying, because nations can even move to center. You've got multiple pieces that are very versatile and can play multiple positions. So yeah, there's there's a lot of potential in this Hurricanes team. Obviously, Bear and Natchez are the two big guys that they still have to sign. Other than that, though, it is going to be very interesting to see what the Hurricanes do. Um, and yeah, so far, it's been a great free agency for the Hurricanes. And it's funny, their best moves have actually been trades and not 
free agent signings, which is, in all honesty, probably better because teams rarely win free agency, you know? It seems yeah, like that's a good point. Agency, they almost always end up falling on their face. Like, Even Columbus, man, they 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 win the jackpot and get Johnny Gojo, and then and then they sign Eric hours and before Branson that they for four years Branson for four, <laughs> yeah. four million for four years, Which, man. So it's like the the Metropolitan Division got really excited when they saw Eric Goodbranson sign, and then they got really mad when Gaudreau signed with. Columbus, but then they're like, oh, it's okay. We'll just be able to score everything because Good Branson's still on that team for four years. <laughs> I think I would rather see him there than in New Jersey or with the Isles too, because they're like I think they're more dangerous than Columbus figures to be. So well, I think it's those teams actually might have been threats with Goudreau. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And how about the Flyers, man? Like it was been rumored this whole time that Goudreau wanted to go home to the Flyers. And they were basically like, nah. No, thanks. We don't want you because we don't want to have to pay a second round pick to dump James Van Riemsdyk or something like I just I listen, man, it's incredible. The Flyers are just a mess and it's great because it just means they're going to be at the bottom of the Metro for a long time. They've been getting absolutely flamed on the bird side and it's been a lot of fun. Well, they also, you know, signed uh, Nick Delorier today, which is just a horrible move. Um. Oh, never changed, Flyers. All right, boys. Before we wrap this up, real quick, tracking the storm is a proud part of the Hockey Podcast Network. So we are going to take a second and get away from DraftKings. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet of up to $1,000. That's right, make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlays, spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, and you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes of wherever you get our podcasts for important details. Alex, I know we have limited time with you tonight, so I do want to get your takes on the Canes draft real quick if you want to just like get your thoughts and then Brandon and I will finish it out with the draft and then what might be next for the Canes. Well, if you guys need a, a quick reminder of who I mocked in my mock drafts for Canes Country. Stay humble. Who I mocked to the Hurricanes with their second round pick, 60th overall. If anybody uh, doesn't mind refreshing my memory. I'm pretty sure it was Grudenin. I will not. I refuse to stroke your ego. Gleb off, baby. How how is that for hitting the nail on the head? I'm so proud I of you. Just, I just I know I know. Thank you, thank you. I just I love the fit, man. And uh, are you leaving now, right? <laughs> damn, damn. Yeah, looks like looks like my time is up here, boys. Goddamn. <laughs> First time back together in like how long here, guys? Just the three of us, and uh, we I'm getting bullied here. On in a minute, man. It's been a yeah, while. Yeah, no, it's been a while. I'm getting bullied here, but, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, you shouldn't feel right at home, <laughs> but yeah. Um, 
back to the back to the draft class. Yeah, man, I you know it's kind of been beat to death on Twitter and uh, you know by every draft analyst out there. But I, I I think the Hurricanes did a great job, man. They uh they they took advantage of you know the situation going on over in Russia where you know obviously teams have some concern about being able to import their players at whatever point in time. Um, so you know a majority of the talents they got um, you know being Trikazov and um, Grudinin and Perevalov and, you know, almost everyone they drafted um, was projected to go a lot sooner than where the Hurricanes got them. Um, typical Hurricanes, right? <laughs> yeah, typical Hurricanes. And, you know, considering they didn't have a first-round pick, they didn't even have a pick in the top 50, um, it, it's – you can never really fully judge right after the draft because, you know, it's – it's it's a very real possibility that these kids just don't develop. Um, but considering what they had and considering how much of a crapshoot the draft is, where they drafted from and yada, yada, I think it's it's pretty easy to sit here and say they kind of made water into wine. They got a couple borderline first-round talents and Grudinin and Trikasov. I think in a normal year, those guys probably could get drafted in the first round. You know, you saw... Danilo Yurov fall to 25th or something when he could have been easily a top 10 pick in a normal year as well. Um, and yeah, I, I like, I like some of the guys they drafted. I think, you know, Forrest Mark is a guy that I think has a very projectable game to the NHL. Um, he's a good two-way defender. He's a smart player. It's just the hurricanes. They have a template for the guys that they draft and they always pick the best player available regardless of any red flags. And, you know, they stuck to that again. So I think, I, I think from top to bottom, they did a pretty wonderful job as a whole. Um, obviously, we won't know until five, ten years down the road how it's actually going to turn out. But as far as, you know, analyzing a draft, as soon as, like, the picks are, picks are submitted, um, yeah, I, I think they did a pretty good job. Yeah. I think with Paravalov and Trikazov, you're banking on that high-end skill both players have first round levels of skill, in my opinion. Like Trikazov could legitimately be one of the better players in this draft class if everything hits for him. Paravalov has a little bit more risk associated with him, but again, has that high end levels of skill. Gradinin has the skating and offensive ability to make him something. I don't know if he's an NHL defender, but it's a great pick in the fifth round. Like you said, Forsmark is a very projectable defenseman. Um, and I think he might be a little better offensively because, I mean, he was well over a point per game as a defenseman at the U-20 level and didn't play a ton of minutes at the SHL this level this year. Um, Cruz Lucius, great, great pick. Um, if his skating can improve, this is a decent third-line forward. And... The other two picks, I don't really have much to say about. Pelovin, I actually fell asleep while watching. So, uh, like, sure, seventh round is fine, but he legitimately made me fall asleep. He was that boring of a player. <laughs> that's not always a bad thing. No, for, <laughs> for a shutdown defenseman, that's fine. But, like, I, I will tell you, I think I watched one of the ga- one game where he may have touched the puck, like, between five and ten times. Like, just a very low-event player, all things considered. 
it's not a bad player to have on your third pairing someday. And that's probably, you know, what you're kind of hoping for when you're drafted in the seventh round with a defenseman like that. You were hoping for a player that can play in the NHL. Yeah. Speaking of, I, I do think, you know, before we get going, we do need to just wish our boy Stephen Lawrence the absolute best in San Jose. Going on close to the Bay Area. Stevie, if you're listening to this, please go check out Pizza My Heart. I think there's one in like Santa Cruz. It is excellent. Uh, we just wish him the best, man. Like it sucks seeing him go, but I know he's going to actually get a good opportunity to play in San Jose. And that's, uh, that's what's really important. I miss him already. I Me know. too. I can still see his smile. <laughs> it's a somber day here on the Track and the Storm podcast, despite all the exciting times. Very, very mixed emotions, right? Yeah, that's true. Well, it's always tough to see somebody go. It was an effect. It was an objectively very, very good trade for the Hurricanes, but subjectively, I'm sad. So yeah, it's, how it's bittersweet because, really like, yeah, there, there's not many better guys in hockey, man. Honestly, yeah, like you're legitimately losing like a great personality and a great uh, teammate. Just seeing his story, getting, man, like seeing yeah. him go from the seventh round overage pick to, if I'm not mistaken to yeah. his ass in the ECHL, to busting his ass in the AHL, to forcing his way onto the NHL roster and turning himself into a piece that's good enough to be, you know, considered worthy of trading Brent Burns for, you know, a, a piece anyway. Um, you know, forget what the cap implications and everything else are. Like, this is obviously a guy that knew San Jose Sharks GM, Mike Greer, identified as somebody that could help their team. So it's it's a success story. It's an awesome story to see a guy that nobody had any hopes for go from a you know an afterthought to a legit NHL player, and just knowing his personality and seeing you know everything he's been through, it, it, it's it's a really cool story, and we're just really happy for him. Really, yeah. yeah a couple of my Sharks buddies um, asked me, you know, what what are we getting in this trade? And I said, you know. Um, Lawrence, he's one of the most one of the most likable kids in hockey, I think. You know, he's gonna be a fan favorite there. I told him, you guys are gonna love this kid. Just a guy who he gives 110% every time he steps out there. You know, every shift he plays it like it's like it's his last. You know, he really works for everything that he does. And he's just a really easy guy to like. Um, and yeah, you know, like you guys have both said, man, wish nothing but the absolute best for him in uh, San Jose. I hope he even has more success there than he did here, you know, just for the sake of him, for the sake of his family. And uh, we'll, we'll definitely be having him back on sometime soon. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not letting him get away that easy. No, no, no way. <laughs> he's got he's to stay true to his priorities. Just because exactly. you get traded doesn't mean he you leave us behind. Him. We still have him under contract. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was exactly. about to say, he still has to fulfill his contractual obligations. Um, <laughs> so, Brandon, before we go, I, I do want to talk about, we've kind of, you know, talked a little bit about it, but I want to talk about where the Canes go from here. So, obviously, like we said, you've got Natchez, you've got Bear as your two big RFAs to sign. You've got roughly $5.5 million in cap space right now. You've got... Uh, Really, not that many holes in the lineup now that um, you've you've added Dylan Coughlin, Andre Kasha. You've you've added players that are you know going to play on your team. So, 
is there anything left for the Canes to do? And what do they do with their two RFAs? That's the interesting storyline for the rest of the offseason, I guess. I I mean, you know, it it feels like we're almost at a stopping point where it's like if camp started tomorrow, these guys would be ready because they've added depth. They've added top of the lineup players. They there doesn't seem to be many holes left to fill. But at the same time, it's like now you make sure everything fits. You don't really want to go into next season with Martin Natchez on like a fourth line role. You know, this is a guy that's got way more potential than that. He's produced way more than that at the NHL level. So could there be a trade out there for him that gives you a player that you know, despite maybe not being a better player, helps your team more because he's more suited for that role or something. I I know it's kind of a weird concept and and you can never have too many good players in the NHL, but you know, is there a chance that moving him elsewhere is more beneficial for both the player and the team? And I I think the only way you do that is if there's like maybe a prospect or a pick thrown in as well, that can kind of help you continue to bolster your team down the road or something. I, I, I don't know. I don't, that's, that's, that's for Rod and the management to figure out, obviously, but it'll be interesting. That's, that's kind of the biggest storyline on the docket left for the hurricanes, right? You know, you know, bear too, but Natchez, I think is, is really the big one that everybody's going to be watching out for. Does he get offer sheeted at some point? Do you think that's a possibility? Does some team look at the hurricanes and say, you know, maybe there's a, I think there is a real chance you get him if you're willing to sign him to an offer sheet at this point in time. Well, and there's also like the legitimate questions surrounding um, J- Jake Gardner. Yeah. What What do you do with Jake Gardner? Is he going to play this year? Because if, if not, then you need to find a way to offload his cap hit. That's going to take some creativity. Yeah. I don't think you can buy him out um, just because I'm pretty sure he could file like a complaint with the league, you know? But... I don't know. It's going to be really interesting. Um, well, look at the look at the def- defense right now. You've got Pesci and Slavin are going to, or, excuse me. You've got Slavin and Burns are going to be on your first pair. You've got Pesci and Shea are going to be back on your second pair. And then your third pair, you've got Chatfield, Dylan Coughlin, Joey Keane, Jake Gardner. Maybe he's going to be on your third pair and run the second power play unit. I, I don't know. Like, you know, we haven't seen him on the ice in how long now? We don't know. It's what been the- over a year. And I think, you know, with Jake Gardner, you're running into the same problem as Ethan Bear, where they're not suited for a third pairing role. Right. And like, I don't know if a Coughlin-Chatfield pair – well, Coughlin and Chatfield are both right-handed defensemen, so already I don't think that works. I think the Canes are going to need to look for a left-handed D if they decide to maybe move on from Gardner in some capacity. Right. Looking at the, um, the defensemen that are still on the board here, I'm just going to like pull that up real quick. Excuse me, because so we need left-handed defensemen. So the top left-handed defensemen on the market right now are Danny DeKaiser. What? Based on this is based on here, I'll sort it by points. You've got Keith Yandel, no. Brad Hunt, no. Zdeno Chara's old ass. 
Um, good God, it's like nobody. Yeah, I, I see. I think they're going to have to go to the trade market if they want to get a left-handed defenseman there. I don't think there's anybody out there. <laughs> yeah. You're not convincing Calvin DeHaan to come back here. <laughs> that would uh, be actually a really good fit, too. <laughs> DeHaan, yeah, it Eric would be a hilariously good fit, but no. Yeah. There's no way that actually happens. Um, it's just one of those things where I think the Canes – you know what? They might decide to keep Jake Gardner and that's okay. They might. But the biggest issue that I'm running into with that then is you're kind of running into the same issues with Bear, where he's not suited for that third pairing role and it might end up being a little bit of a problem in the future. Yep. And, and the Johnny Gaudreau signing is official, man. This is just the weirdest off season, bro. <laughs> It really has been strange, man. Like, just this entire day. We always have, like, bad contracts handed out, but I don't know that I've ever seen just such a blatantly bad decision by a player when it was well-documented that better ones were right there. Honestly, you know... I, I'm really happy with the Canes moves. I think most Canes fans are too, especially after the Pacioretty trade. A little bit of doubt for a little while, but man, this is this has just been a great day. I do expect like us to fill out our AHL roster here in the next like few days. Um, I I think the Canes are done with their big moves. They may make one or two other signings, but for the most part, I think they're done. I would say so, because, I mean, even, like, in the forward core, you've got guys like Stefan Naisman, who we talked about a little bit, that could kind of push for that 12-slash-13th forward role. Um, maybe they can find a way to move on from Martin Nook. That's probably wishful thinking, but, you know. Yeah, I, I doubt it. <laughs> Include um, him for a left-handed defenseman. Right. I, I don't know what they do with that, man. But what I do know is that the Carolina Hurricanes just had a hell of a day and that, folks, it is a great time to be a Carolina Hurricanes fan.